You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Hello, lovers. Welcome to You Gotta Love It, the show where you tell us and the rest of the world the things that you love that we might have missed, the show where you can come to discover the best things you never knew existed, and the show where you can force us to sit through the worst entertainment you can find and say, well, you gotta love it. My name is Koji. I am a part-time delinquent and full-time, I don't know, Hawaiian maybe, and with me, as always, finally, again, is my good friend. And uh, I'm not even sure anymore. Uh, cast I'll iron pan curer, Andrew Patterson. Yeah, it's good It's good to be back. Modern uh, day blacksmith. I'll say this. Uh, I'll just apologize in advance. If there's background noise and when you're listening to this, it is because I am, in fact, uh, I was curing a... Or seasoning, as they say, a cast iron skillet, and my smoke alarm kept going off, so we've got like a fan going in the window open here. Anyway, it's all very professional here in the studio, but it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a long time, and we apologize profusely for uh, not getting those episodes out there, but we were just enjoying life yeah, we're too gonna, much. We're going to get back on track. I think you also, you said a uh, part-time Hawaiian, or full-time Hawaiian, Yeah, but I think... Uh, just traveler, really, because we've gone. We went to. We've been all over the place. Yes, lots of things to love. And our schedules have not aligned in that. When you leave, I'm here, and when I'm here, you or and when I leave, you're here. So it's not like we were both vacationing at the same time, which is part of the reason for the delay. But this episode, rather than the standard format, is going to be a little bit of a catch-up scenario. We're just going to talk about the torrential downpour going on right now. <laughs> Uh, and the stuff that we've kind of, uh, checked out while we were away. Yeah. There's been a lot of good content and, and some things that, uh, definitely constitute, you gotta, you gotta love it. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a little bit more casual. Uh, well, I mean, like, what do you got? What have you, what have you been, uh, what have you been consuming? On your travels. I mean, those are some long flights. Yeah, right now I'm just uh, consuming the uh, ambient noise of the rain. It's like one of those things that you put on before you go to sleep. Oh, yeah. You know? It's like a sleep aid. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Well, the main thing that I consumed while traveling, because on the way home I just slept, but on the way to Hawaii, I consumed all of the HBO, sorry, not HBO, Amazon Prime series Hannah, based on the movie... Hannah. One of my favorites. Yeah. In fact, so so high so highly do I regard it that I actually took it on uh the uh overrated overrated pod. Friends of friends of our pod overrated yes. podcast uh where I said that it was a better version of the born identity. Yeah. Which was a hot ta- I, people thought it was a hot take at the time, but I think I don't know, we came to sort of a an agreement i think a general agreement by the end of that episode uh, it's a pretty hot take for me because i love the born movies yeah i love them too but so much know. so that like generally speaking when i'm on vacation i will set up the plex in like a hotel room and just watch <laughs> one of those movies but uh yeah so how so does it st- how does it stack up or you kind of mentioned that it's a different it's different enough that you maybe you shouldn't stack them up yeah if 
Well, okay, if you like the general premise of the movie, uh, the premise of the TV show is somewhat the same. However, there is a father character played by the new uh, RoboCop. Right. I can't remember what his name is. He's also in House of Cards. He's in... uh, Yeah, uh, The Killing. Yeah, he was in uh, uh, Altered Carbon. Yes, yes, the star of Altered Carbon. uh, Don't worry, I got you here. Yeah, well, as you're looking it up, uh, it stars him as the father of Hannah and uh, his former... Joel Kinnaman. Yes. And his former detective partner on the killing as... What did you say her name was? The villain on the show? Marissa Wiegler. Yes. Uh, So Reunited, which I enjoyed because I love the killing, but just the show in general... I thought it was really good. They paced it out well. And you're just waiting for moments where you're like, just let her off the leash. Yeah. Just like, let her go. But at the same time, she's also, because there's points where she's kind of escaped without giving any spoilers away. Okay. And she's, people just regard her as a teenage girl because they don't know. That she's a killing machine? What she is. She's like an engineer. But she also doesn't know how to be uh, a teenage girl. Right. So she's kind of discovering things on her own, like liquor and yeah, discos and whatever. And it's fairly interesting. Cool. I'm glad. Well, I I was glad to. We. I mean, you mentioned it briefly, but I was kind of glad to hear that it wasn't like uh, trash because, again, I you know I did want I want it to be good. I don't want it to be bad, but I really like the movie. I I think it's a top quality production too. Like they didn't. It, at no point did I feel like they were really skimping on it, which was good. Um, but yeah, so that's I watched that on the plane. Uh, okay. And I give that a full two thumbs up. I mean, if we're using our normal scale, let's just say, what does an Amazon Prime account cost? Let's just say it's 10 bucks a month. I don't even know what Amazon Prime costs. Yeah. But uh, let's just say it's 10 bucks a month. I give it a full, we'll say 850 yeah. out of 10. Okay. You know, I would definitely pay. So th- th- this series alone is enough to pay for at least one month or most of one month's Amazon Prime account. And then you pack in some free shipping and you're good to go. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that sounds great. I have it, so I should just watch it. Yeah. Uh, what have you checked out recently? Something that I'm pretty into. Well, I haven't finished it yet. And it's relevant because uh, also it's kind of queued up on the TV right now is there is a uh, documentary series uh, on Netflix called Formula One Drive to Survive and uh, uh, our mutual friend Bennett Slater friend of the show friend of the show Bennett Slater Star Wars expert Star Wars expert <laughs> recommended um, recommended that I check it out and so I did because I've always been like peripherally interested in like motorsport as a just kind of as a novelty for me because like i like cars but i'm not like a gearhead you know mm-hmm. and i like uh you know i've i've played like every single gran turismo game uh to a ridiculous degree and that's you know kind of taught me about all these different manufacturers and yada 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 anyway so i was like all for it but i will say that it's like one of the best documentary shows that i've seen really just in recent memory it's um and what makes it amazing i think is that formula one 
does not strike me at the best of times as something that people would be most people would be interested in like right. i feel like even though it's a very popular sport it's very niche yeah and most people that i've recommended it to are like why like i don't care about that why would i watch it and all i would say to them is that think about all of the other things that maybe you're just like scrolling through netflix late at night that you wouldn't normally care about yeah and all it takes is one image or the name of it to make you interested like documentary movies about fucking well we're you know whatever it could be we're in a bit of a docu-sance right now because yeah. uh free solo probably right the biggest documentary to come out in a very long time. Like there's so many people who we know who don't, who could care less about climbing, yeah. who saw that movie and loved it. I feel like exactly. that's just a testament to good documentarianism. Yeah. I don't exactly. know. Exactly. No, it. You, you nailed it. It's, 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 it should be, it's not, they, they're not making these things for existing fans. I mean, they are, but they're also just, it's, it's an interesting uh, there's an interesting narrative. And what's so amazing about it is all they really do is they follow one season of the Formula One circuit. Uh, and j I mean, the, just, just, to, just to sort of like illustrate why I find it so amazing, um, and for those who don't know anything about the sport, essentially there's uh, several teams that race across 20 positions. There's 20 cars per race. Um, they race all over the world. Um, it's essentially if you've ever watched an anime or like a movie about some sort of futuristic racing, that's what it is. It exists. It's formula one racing. And it's basically like they race in cities like Monaco, like they like down, you know, in, in crowded, dense urban areas. Right. Some of the tracks, some of the tracks are in the middle of nowhere, but they're all across the world and every, and the racers are from all over the world. So, um, you know, if you are into sports at all there is sort of like a parallel you could make a parallel to like football or you know like soccer like in that there is a lot of personalities that are carrying a sort of i don't want to say like a national pride but mm -hmm. there's there's history there's history there there's history between the racers yeah and then what's also interesting about it is that uh the the most team sports it's you know, the team, you need teamwork to win. And the same could be said of Formula One, but in many cases, the drivers are also competing for position per right. race. So, you know, uh, teams will have two drivers. They'll have two cars. The teams that can afford to have two cars and two yeah. drivers will do so. And, and they, all their names sound like Bond villains, by the way. Oh, totally. And, and sometimes those guys will be at odds with each other, but they're on the same team. Yeah. So what you have is essentially, uh, if, if I could, the elevator pitch is basically... You take some of the richest people in the world. They're buying essentially rockets that are being driven by people with like a fighter pilot mentality. Uh, incredible athlete, like physical condition to be able to control the car and to have that kind of endurance. Mm -hmm. uh, highly dangerous. It is essentially a death race. Like incredibly, you know, the risk for fatality is high. They're racing at speeds of like 200 miles per hour through dense urban areas uh taking corners at like incredible speeds and all of them have baggage there are so many narratives there are so many rivalries between teams rivalries between drivers right and it's like some some brilliant person the producers of this show were also the producers of the documentary film senna which was about formula one driver and also amy the documentary about amy winehouse yeah and they just brilliantly like their team the people that put this together they just saw an opportunity where they were like why is nobody covering this 
outside of people watching the sport because it's it's made like it was born for like a show you know what i mean like it feels like you're watching a drama show not it's not like a dry documentary that's like and here's how the cars work like it is I, I just think that it's very compelling and that if anybody dipped their toes into the first episode, yeah. they would be hooked. I'm actually surprised now thinking about it that they haven't come up with uh, a drama based on racing. Right. You know, well, there's, like there's, a, there's animes. There's a couple movies. Rush was Rush was based no, on... No, no, I mean like a, like a week-to-week sort of like drama series. Oh, like a, oh yeah, like a fictional, like a show. Fictional yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, totally. Um. So yeah, I've been I I have again like I said each episode is an hour long. There's it's had 10 episodes in the first season. I imagine if it's successful, they will continue just following season to season. Um because like I said, like it's there's there's not really a dull moment. Every race there's something crazy happening. Mm-hmm. Um and they do a really good job of of showing you the human side of the the racers and their families and the teams and what's at stake for the teams like it's it's really well done. It's beautifully filmed. They have like unprecedented access, and uh, yeah, I can't recommend it enough. Um, uh, it's it's a it's a really great, really great show. So if you're looking for like a new show, maybe, or you're really into documentaries, mm-hmm. I definitely say it's worth checking out. Okay. Well, the the next thing that I've checked out. Well, this isn't in chronological order, but the next thing I'm going to mention is the movie Aquaman. <laughs> right. Some some might view it as a you gotta love it. Others, most people I know, I think. Well, aside from you, I'm just saying. Go on. Uh, others, I think, maybe uh, like myself, see it as a not so hidden gem. It uh, is one of the greatest superhero movies I've seen in a long time, and it's hard for me to to determine whether I'm even saying that. Um, with sarcasm or not because I thoroughly enjoyed my viewing experience so much so that I would gladly gladly watch it again Uh, but I think you kind of have to be in on the joke right like it's a bit of a scenario where I don't think it's taking itself seriously and that's where there's a bit of a divergence between me and some of our friends who have seen it right I think a lot of them think they were aiming to make like a fantastic superhero movie and just fell short. Right. Whereas just a this is not a spoiler because this happens within like the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie. Right. Aquaman rips the top off of a submarine, uh, jumps down the, the like open hole and kind of does like a little Superman landing where his fist hits the ground looks up straight into the camera, like straight eyes into the camera, something that you would never do and say, and says permission to come aboard. And then proceeds the first like 20 minutes. So you knew what you were in for is what you're saying. Right. The first 20, 25 minutes of the movie is almost like a Steven Seagal film uh, in that regard. And it's also directed by James Wan, who um, directed, uh, and created, I think, The Conjuring um, right. and the Annabelle, or at least had a hand in those things. And I think he did a Fast and Furious. That sounds right. Uh, so I don't think that he's not... like I, I, I'm fairly certain he's aware of what he's doing. Well, I think... I haven't seen the movie, but I would say this. I'm sure there's like DC fans just fucking champing at the bit, but 
and I'm sure there's even jokes about this in the movie, but you know, the, it's like a guy who talks to fish. I know he's more than that, but it's like, that's, that's what you're given. You right. know, you're ma- they're like, okay, we're going to make a big budget superhero movie. The superhero that you were working with is a guy from the kingdom of Atlantis. Right. Right. And he can communicate with sea creatures. I f- feel like, you know, this is the only thing they could have really done. Cause like, ha- like it's not like, okay, uh, you're working with a guy whose parents were killed uh, and then basically spent his entire life with some sort of serious PTSD and uh, a vast inherited wealth who trains to become a vigilante in a city where basically chaos reigns and the villains are all like these insane serial killers, you know? Right. Somebody gives you that, you're like, okay, cool. Like, I, I, there's a lot of ways you can go with it, but there's a lot of meat there. Sure. And I'm sure that for people who have been reading Aquaman or are legit fans of Aquaman for like however long, you know, like they've been, they're, they're fully, they know way more than I do about the character. Right. They'd be like, oh no, you don't know. But I'm coming at it strictly from like a, I think where a lot of these summer blockbuster type movies and these big budget movies, like they're not aiming for those people. Right. It's a bonus if they please those people. But like, you know, you have to consider how are you going to take a character like Aquaman and make it a movie that make an experience that's going to like connect with people. And, you know, some would argue that they didn't do that, but all I'm saying is that, you know, to hear you describe it. And when I looked at the trailers, I was just like, I mean, it doesn't look like my style, but like, what else are you, what else could they have done? Yeah. Probably a lot of things, but you know, it's, it is what it is. It is what it is. That's, I, let me just say that I like really like this movie to the point where I'm telling people like you should watch it. But but again, you have to have the right mindset. I think you have to know because it is the reason why I think that it's uh, intentional. And I've been joking, well, semi joking, that I want to buy the Blu-ray and listen to the director commentary. But I do. I just don't want to pay thirty dollars for it. <laughs> but uh, is it's out of the gates ridiculous, right? Immediately ridiculous. But not only that, it changes tone. Like it's like a, at one point it becomes a rom com, and then at another point it's like a serious action movie, and then it becomes like a sort of Game of Thrones esque drama. Like, I feel like all these things combined, it like had to be on purpose. There's no way that this movie was created and and you know like nobody watched it and said like, hey, are you, is this is what you're going for, <laughs> right? Right? Like for sure. So anyway, I maintain that it had to be intentional and therefore I think it's incredible. And based on the last two DC movies that I've seen, which is this movie and Shazam, I am on board for the next batch of All DC right. films. I also saw Shazam and I quite enjoyed it. Oh, I, I really did. Yeah. Uh, I've got kind of a, f- I'll do like a couple quick, quick takes here. Yeah. So I, uh, I, Recently, was I went to Vancouver and then went up to Whistler. And on the flight there and back, I watched four movies. Okay. I watched Widows. Oh, yeah. First Man. Ooh, I haven't seen that yet. Ocean's Eight. And Tag. Okay. So I'm going to just do a rapid fire what I think people perceive these movies as and what my take is on them. I'm ready if for everything except First Man. Go ahead. 
What you don't want you don't want me to go through first man? No, I want you to. I'm just saying I don't have anything to add okay. to it. Okay. Okay. So I would say first man is a hidden gem. Yes, it was nominated for an Academy Award, but the Academy Award it was nominated for was technical. Like, yeah. It was technical. Uh, Damien Chinso, wh- which I will say makes total sense after watching it. The second thing I will say about it is do not it's do not watch this movie on a plane because the whole movie is essentially about people crashing in planes and flying objects and you know right. all based on true events. Um, it was uh, Damien Chazelle. The director, writer, director of La La Land. Yeah. Uh, his new film, so also starring Ryan Gosling, and it's about um, the first manned mission to the moon. Uh, so it's about uh, Neil Armstrong, played by Ryan Gosling. And uh, yeah, I really liked it. I mean, I, I think um, it's weird. Like, I understand why it kind of flew under the radar. Uh, and it's c- almost an odd choice after like the other stuff that he's worked on. Right. It's but almost the almost like the direct opposite of La La Land. Yeah. It's very. It's not that it doesn't have humor in it at parts, but it's it's quite serious and and almost dry. One could say. Right. But it's I found it very interesting. It's very compelling. The and technically it's incredible. Uh, complete. Very worth it. A lot of uh, memorable shots. The sound design is like unreal. So I would say. Check it out. If you like Ryan Gosling or you like Damien Chazelle, definitely worth checking out. If you have a sick sound system, yeah, it's amazing. It also won for best visual effects. Yeah, that is... I think just because of the feel that the Academy Awards, that's surprising to me. But what I will say is that I think that's we have gotten to a point where we take space movies almost for granted. Right. So I can understand how the effects... There's a lot of things that I don't know how they did. Right. You know, like it's so seamless and that's why it kind of like, I'm like, yo, but Thanos looks so crazy or, you know, like whatever, like there's right. all these yeah, other, yeah, yeah. these other things that were like amazing and kind of surprising, but this is like, they make guys landing on the moon seem, you just, it feels real. You're maybe, so used to seeing this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. I was going to say maybe because some of it's not obvious that it actually was visual effects exactly, that you're yeah. like, you know, that's a testament in, in and of itself. Okay. Yeah. What's the next one? The next one is Ocean's 8. Okay. okay. This this one I think is a you gotta love it, and the reason I say that is because almost everybody I talked to did in our group of friends shared your opinion, kind of going into it, which yeah. is uh, having nothing against like being all for more strong female characters. Yeah. But this idea of just like essentially rebooting movies and just like making the cast women is people missing the point completely, more yeah. or less. You know what I mean? Uh, and not putting the effort in to make it stand on its own or making new movies with strong female characters or whatever the case may be. Right. And I also would say it's, you got to love it because I heard nothing about this movie when it came out. Like nobody I talked to had seen it. Like people just kind of dismissed it at a hand. Yeah. Uh, even the cast, like there are people in the cast that I know that like people are just like, Oh, like Rihanna's in it. Like she's been, she's only been in like these like, like fucking battleship or what, you know, like right. they're just like, they didn't have like I, a good, I, I like the cast actually. Um, I yeah. Can't, you know, in general, and I thought uh, Anne Hathaway was incredible in it. Yeah, there's I I uh, I found it very easy to love the movie, to be honest with you. But I think here's what's here's why I went into it with low expectations because of exposure to these types of opinions. Yeah, and also I went in expecting it to be closer to like the Ghostbusters reboot, where it was like a like a a hard reboot with nods to the originals. You know, right? But this 
is essentially just Ocean's 14. It's a sequel. Like it is clearly connected at, right out of the gates. It's clearly connected. Like it's established that there are ties to existing characters. Yes. And then their existing characters that you know from the Ocean's movies appear in this movie. Yes. And not so, the ones you'd think though. Not the ones you'd think, but I liked that. And oh yeah. I, and I also liked that. Um, I mean, you may disagree like right out of the gates, but I've seen a lot of heist movies and it may be too on the nose that they made this one about it's very fashion focused and it's like, Oh, it's women fashion. But I thought it was brilliant because like how many times you've seen people like just robbing banks or robbing, like robbing gangsters or whatever the case may be. Sure. I thought this was like a really original take. Cause like, I would never have thought of any of that stuff. Like them hiring a designer, like right, they get a right, designer right. on the crew. Like, so I was, I went into it the first couple minutes. I was like, okay, getting energy, you know, it's all the same. But then like, I was really into it. Like I was like, oh fuck, how are they going to like, so my, my biggest problem with it was the heist itself didn't feel heisty, all that exciting to me. Right. You know, like the actual act of, of, of thievery. Like, yeah, you, the first time I saw oceans 11 and it, you know, you have to compare them, I think, because yeah. they've decided it's part of this franchise. You know, when uh, when the Asian guy comes out of the like little lobby cart or whatever, you're just right. like, oh, fuck, that's crazy. He was in there the whole time. And now yeah. he's like doing all of his like weird climbing stuff. Um, and in this one, I also think that it's hard because they made it an Ocean's movie. Mm -hmm. You're trying to draw comparisons between... Um, you know, Sandra Bullock and George Clooney. Right. And Brad Pitt and uh, what's her name? Kate uh, Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Kate, I thought Kate Blanchett was great too. It, it, it's hard because so Aquafina many. Aquafina. So great. many. Oh, she, yeah, she, she was like one of my favorite characters. But so many of them have such strong, sort of charismatic characters. Yeah. And I think the female versions it's hard for you not to think of them as female versions of those characters. Right. And they're doesn't really they're not as charismatic was my problem sure but uh i don't think the movie itself was probably as bad as the box office would reflect yeah i i think it's like a great like when it's on netflix or whatever or on t like i think it will Oh, I'm never going to okay. watch I it think, again. No, but. I think I enjoyed it. Anyway, so that that was the You Gotta Love It. I'll right. We'll move on to the next one because I think to talk about it more kind of heist movies have like... Well, we're going to a, another heist movie. Twists right? and surprise, surprises. What's that? The, your your next movie is a heist movie. Yeah. Yeah. So Widows. Uh, also, like, a, a, uh, you know, the riding the wave of... Uh, trying to you know trying to create more movies with strong female characters strong female leads yeah um it's another heist movie about basically the a heist that goes wrong in the opening scene of the movie the opening sequence um where four men are are killed uh in a heist that's like gone off the rails and it's it, you follow the widows of these criminals basically um and to make a long story short, again, without like really going into the details of the movie, essentially the a person who is involved in the whole heist basically visits the widows and is like, well, one of them and is like, listen, like you're on the hook for this money. Right. And so she becomes like a new ringleader and decides that she's going to like empower, essentially be like, yo, we need to we can do this and we need to do this. 
because our, our, our families and our lives are at stake. Mm-hmm. And so the whole movie is about, uh, like, that's what it's about. And I, I liked it quite a bit. I think that the incredible cast, first of all, incredible cast. cast. And uh, this is what I want f- from movies. When people talk about we need, you know, more minorities or mo- more female led movies or what have you. Mm hmm. This is a movie that you can point to to be like, this is the best possible example of what to do because it's, you know, completely new IP it's original, yeah. original. And it's phenomenal. In my opinion, I thought it was incredible. Yeah. I thought it was good. Ooh. I, I, I didn't, I, this is a bit of a hot take. Well, here, here's the thing. There is a lot of critical acclaim for this movie in these, in the, uh, in sort of the area like websites i go to people you know podcasts i listen to like a lot of people were really big on this movie sure i really liked it i don't like i'm not going in saying like it's not i think it's worth watching 100 percent. there's i don't know i just kind of i when it finished i kind of felt like almost how you felt about oceans i felt what i like about it is that uh a lot of the movie is planning which i was all for Right. It's not like a movie that's like bang, bang, cra- like the trailers make it seem like it's like this crazy action movie. It's not. Right. It opens with a bang and then it's like a sl- sl- pretty slow burn for like an hour and a half of just like organization and like overcoming challenges and being presented with new problems. Right. Uh, which is believable because these people have never done something like this before. Well, that's another thing that I loved about it because you don't normally see a lot of heist movies that involve uh, players that are Beginners. new to the heist game. Right. You know? Uh, so there's definitely a lot of interest, interesting dynamics there. And then uh, I guess I just and I was totally fine with the uh, with ha- with the pacing of the movie. Mm-hmm. It just I don't know, like when it when it was when it was done, I just like it, I was largely unaffected by it. So I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the experience. But again, it's not really like like how you said you probably wouldn't watch oceans again. Like I wouldn't probably go back to this. Like I would like to see more films like this, but I just didn't, I've already seen it twice. It didn't crack my, as somebody that like really likes that type of movie. I wasn't like, Oh, I'm adding this to the list of movies because it's got lots of moments that I really liked. You know, there's like maybe a couple of those moments where I was like, Oh, that's cool. But there's just just, a lot of characters that I like, like Brian Tyree Henry and his, uh, his, uh, second in command. Yeah. From get out. Yeah. Uh, what? Daniel. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kalua. Yeah. Kalua. Kalua. Yeah. So, so good. Yeah. I mean, look, it was good. I'm not, I'm not, I just think that I'm like, if you're at like a, a 95 on this movie, I'm at like maybe like an 80. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm up there for sure. I, this is like a full $10 experience or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. I probably would have watched it in the theater. So I just, we didn't have time. Yeah. So I would pay, I would pay to watch. All the movies I've said so far, I would pay to see normal in the theaters. Yeah, I'm not fucking lining up for them. I'm not like paying. I'll, I'll tell you right now mode. that if it was still in theaters, I would go for a full D box experience on Aquaman. I would sit in one of those chairs, have it like rock yeah, me around water in my in like your face. Yeah, uh, yeah, four D. I want a four D with the three D glasses and the like. Yeah, pumping the smells and the mist, and I want to really, uh, you know, when uh, feel that ocean spray. When uh, Jason Momoa, you know, does like a nice belly laugh. Yeah, you. Wanna I want to feel it. Yeah, smell the sweat. That's that it. It seems to always just be glistening on his rippling muscles. That's that's it, fellow climber. That's uh, right. 
Yeah, Jason Momoa. Uh, and so the last one. Yeah. Tag. That's a hidden gem, I think. It's it's great. Yeah, it's great. I, like if you're looking for a co- yeah, I think I also the story. Yeah, I think it's a hidden gem. Um, I remember seeing the trailer for this movie and thinking how ridiculous it was, and then finding out that it's based on like semi based on true, a true story. And you see some footage at the end of the movie. It's uh, it's just a fun little like it's just a fun comedy. Like if I feel like it's it's we live in a time where like really good comedies i in my opinion are few and far between right and one of my problems that i've always had with comedy movies uh is that i don't love comedy movies that feel pressured to make you feel really good you know at the end like that can be a byproduct but i kind of am of the opinion that like you know in the traditional sense like tragedy and comedy like usually what we laugh at in comedy movies Mm -hmm. is not something that's touching it's something that's like miserable this sound this sounds like really cynical but you know what i mean like it's like you don't most of my favorite comedy movies i'm not saying they end on a depressing note but like if if it's a movie about people fucking up through the whole movie yeah they got to finish strong like they don't figure out how to not fuck up by the end of the movie the movie ends with them continuing to fuck up right and the narrative is not based on these people learning you know what i mean like it's like that and that's just me personally so i think that uh between that and just sort of like comedies being really soft like they're really like slow pitching comedies to us there's like very formulaic well just especially now because of the climate it's hard to like know where the line is exactly so it's very tricky and this was just like i don't really particularly think this crossed any lines even when there's a there's a point in the movie where all the characters feel that another character has crossed a a serious line yeah but like it's not even it's that it's handled tastefully but it doesn't i I don't know you just got to like keep what you got to watch Right. The whole thing. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it has lots of hilarious moments. Like I, I, it's just grounded enough to be funny, but also just outrageous enough to be, to have lots of like hangover esque, you know, or like hot rod type moments where you're just like, this would never happen. Right. But, but it's still funny. It's still really funny, you know? So yeah. So that's basically those four. That was, I mean, that wasn't very rapid fire, but it was certainly more rapid fire than usually when we go over things. Yeah, I would agree with with all of that, though. I mean, I also, I guess, in in this period, took in a lot of those things and uh, enjoyed them. The last thing I'll mention is um, uh, a book that I've been reading, a series of books that I've been reading. Cool. uh, Because I've been crushing a lot of uh, book series. Okay. and it's the first of a of a f- four series uh, or a four book series called the uh, the Black Prism, and it's about uh, you know it takes place in a time of wizards and magic, and uh, I know fucking nerd, but uh, the magic is based on the color spectrum, so people who can use magic, most of them can use magic of a color <clears throat> and each color has its own properties as you would expect you know red is like more of a fire-based thing uh green is more of like a wilderness-based thing there's ultraviolet which is invisible to all magic users except those or all everybody except for those who can actually use ultraviolet and uh each of them has a, a sort of respective uh, mental property that goes along with it so as an example, people who use blue magic um, 
are naturally somewhat orderly people because okay. that is a property of it. And then uh, once every either 7, 14, or 21 years, depending on, uh, I guess, fate or whatever, someone comes along that can use the full spectrum. Now, there are other uh, magic users who can who are called biochromes who can use two colors. And then uh, there are some that can use more than two colors. Right. But once every, I said, I think it was seven, 14 or 21 years, someone comes along that is uh, what they call the prism who can get weight, use all the colors, use all the colors. But, um, and I neglected to mention in order to use magic of a certain color, you have to be able to see that color. So generally speaking, um, these magic users will carry around spectacles, tinted spectacles, so that they can use those spectacles to create the color because it's based on light. So if there's no light, they also can't use magic. Interesting. Um, but the prism, the reason why they call him the prism also is because he can separate light. So if he sees r- regular white light, he can separate it out into its corresponding colors and use any of those colors. Um, it's a pretty cool concept for... Yeah, a uh, uh, fantasy world. It's not something that I've I've encountered before. I mean, some of the other tropes are are pretty standard. So like all these magic users go to a certain place and learn how to use their magic and they're held in higher regard than the normies, right? And one of the main characters of the book is somebody who y- is just like a normal street urchin who turns out is part of a bigger, you know, has a bigger lot in life, which is right. not really all that different from any of these other fantasy novels, but the world that they've built is, is interesting because they don't, I've never really seen anything like this before. Anyway, I've only read the first book, but it, it was interesting. And I suggest that you check it out. The black prison. Cool. Anything else for us? Uh, I mean, honestly, like I could probably go on new pup record. Well, I was, so I was going to say, I think I was going to say, if we're going to wrap it up here, yeah, I think we can both just recommend the same thing which is the new pop record because we haven't talked about any music. There have been so many records I've been listening to in the last several weeks that have come out. It's been a great like two months basically for music. Yeah. Um, rather than rattle them all off right now, I'm going to parse them out uh, as recos over the next little while. But uh, yeah, I was going to say uh, the Toronto band pup uh, released their third record um, last, last week. Yes. Friday. Uh, they will be touring extensively. Like there's like 200 fucking tour dates on their tour. They're playing a couple shows in Toronto. They're playing Echo Beach. So uh, all I can say, Pup, Morbid Stuff, fantastic album. It's great. Really fun. Perfect length. The music uh, videos are also great. Music videos continue to be great. Yeah. They're really They got that down. And uh, yeah, I mean... Go buy the record wherever records good records can be found. Yeah, but and you know, stream that shit. And, and their new sort of the like Geo Cities aesthetic that they're doing with all the like, yeah, advertising and stuff. Or like, <laughs> what what was that? Something Fire Angel Fire or whatever. Yeah, yeah. like it's incredible. They're really on point with. Uh, Those guys get it. What they got going on? Yeah, they get yeah. it. It's uh, yeah, it's great. It's a great album. So maybe we can uh, finish off with a track off that album. Yeah. And also, I think that we can say that our next episode will be two movies, uh, which will tell you, I will tell you what those movies are now. I don't know why I said that that way. Okay. (laughs) The hidden gem is Billy Jack. 
and the You Gotta Love It is a horror movie, one of Sam Elliott's early, early films. It's called Frogs. Probably one of his first starring roles, I would have to guess. Yeah. He is very young in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to, check those out and then compare takes when we fire up that next episode. And we uh, promised to leave out Game of Thrones spoilers. Although, if you haven't seen it by the time... If you haven't seen the first episode by the time thi- this episode goes up, like, what are you even doing? Yeah, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. It's so... I, I didn't even bring that up. We're, I'm about to host a Game of Thrones session. That's what's about to happen when we're, as we're recording this. So, I mean, you get on the bandwagon. If you're still holding out for some ridiculous reason, just, just give in. Yeah, there's no reason to hold out because this is maybe one of the last shared experiences we're all going to have as, a, as like a, a group of media consumers. A hundred percent. And also it's fucking good. Like yeah. it's a good thing. It's not like a, eh, whatever, I, don't even get me started. So, uh, yeah, sorry that we were gone for so long. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully you guys are still with us and, uh. Yeah, well, I guess we'll 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 be talking about those movies a week or so from now. Yeah. All right. Keep loving it. <laughs>